0: Welcome to the Women's Soccer Coaching Podcast with me, Steph Fairbairn. Join us as we take a deep dive into the challenges and opportunities faced by those who coach in the women's game. I'll introduce our special guest in just a moment, but first, this podcast accompanies the March issue of Women's Soccer Coaching Magazine, which is available to subscribers right now. The theme of this special issue is career progression, and we have a number of brilliant coaches offering their advice. Sarah Loudon, formerly of Penn State and the Florida Gators, shares her thoughts on surrounding yourself with the right people. Katie Quinlan, director of player development at Gulf Coast Youth Soccer Club, offers her tips on self-development. And Chris Bennett of Hamilton Academical Women discusses maintaining a work-life balance. Meanwhile, Todd Dooley, Director of Athletics at University of Texas Permian Basin, shares what U.S. colleges look for in a head coach. One U.S. college head coach who is recently looking to hire an assistant is Kerry Sanchez of Colorado College. She's our main interview feature and our podcast guest. I caught up with her to talk about applications, interviews, transitioning between assistant and head coach roles, and what it was like playing for the U.S. national team. Kerry, welcome to the Women's Soccer Coaching Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: No, excited to have you. Um, I wanted to start with a question about the course of your coaching career. And I wondered if you could talk us a little bit through how the various roles you've been in, how those roles came about.
1: Yeah. So going into college, I thought I was going to be pre-med, maybe be a doctor. Uh, But obviously I've always grown up loving sports. And so when I graduated from North Carolina, I was trying to decide like everybody kind of what to do at that point. Pro soccer was not as big of a a option for players coming out of college. And so trying to decide kind of my next life plans and our goalkeeper coach at the time at North Carolina got the head coaching job at the university of Oregon to restart their college program. And luckily enough, he called me to see if I would want to be a be coaching. Uh, and asked me to be his assistant. So that's how I got into college coaching. So I'm forever grateful to him for giving me the opportunity because obviously I fell in love with it and I haven't stopped coaching since. So I worked with him for seven years at the University of Oregon. I then was hoping to get a head coaching job, got my first head coaching job at Claremont McKenna Harvey Mudd Scripps Colleges, which is a D3 program in Southern California. I was there for 13 years and uh, really, again, enjoyed the opportunity to be a head coach and learn all that aspects that go along with having to be running your own program, but then had an itch to kind of get back to the division one level and work with student athletes year rounds and be back at the uh, top end of the D one. And my college teammate and uh, as the head coach at the university of Texas and had an assistant leave kind of unexpectedly asked if I was ready to make a move. And uh, that's how I ended up being an assistant at the university of Texas. I was there for four years, Uh, again, uh, got the opportunity to work with some amazing student athletes there again, get to kind of see where D one soccer is now compared to when I was an athlete, just how much resources are out there now for, uh, division one women's soccer players. And so that was awesome experience. And then again, excited though, to be back leading a program of my own and found Illinois Wesleyan, uh, I coached there this past fall. Thought I'd be there. I really enjoyed it. Great players, uh, great environment, great school, um, competitive, great history in women's soccer. Uh, but then I got uh, a call from Colorado College and they were looking for, to uh, a new head coach. And again, Colorado College was one of those schools when I was coming out as a player was one of the top places to be. Uh, they are an amazing program with a great tradition of women's soccer. And so the opportunity kind of lead my first Division One program. Uh, was too enticing, and so I made the jump, and I've now been at Colorado College now for a few weeks, and uh, super excited to be here. So,
0: I guess if we think about coaches that might be listening to this, that are kind of trying to make their way in in coaching, and obviously you know it's you know it's such an in- incredibly competitive field. There's a, there's only a finite amount of jobs. Um, what would you say for coaches in terms of how they how they look to find jobs? I guess how do they see where the opportunities are?
1: Right. So I think networking, just like any, any business, right. The more you can network and and find people that are in the field is a a way to get in. I think for young coaches too, I always encourage them to go work soccer camps at big universities where they can meet some coaches that have the ability to help them network. Uh, So I think that's important. Um, And I, and again, just getting more experience coaching. So you can start off in the club world. You can start doing individual training sessions, So I think just the more you do, the more opportunity it is to connect with different people. I think uh, now that COVID is hopefully kind of dying down, uh, the convention is another United Soccer Coaches convention is a great place to meet people uh, and like-minded people and and also learn more about the coaching field. I think getting coaching licenses is another, another way, again, to show that you're committed to the craft and committed to being a better coach. Uh, so I think there's a lot of different ways that you can help yourself in the, in the coaching world, but it, um, at whatever level it might be that you want to coach at.
0: Do you think part of it as well is because you've referenced a couple of jobs there where an opening came up, some mom reached out to you. Do you think part of it is just doing good work because people will be watching?
1: Yeah. So if you are, that's where I said, uh, even now when I'm a uh, head coach and looking for to hire assistants uh, you're getting recommendations from people that you know, from people that are doing a good job, right? Whether it's been an assistant coach who's done a good job at, a, at a, another collegiate role or a club coach that's looking to make a move up but has done really good work uh, interacting with their players. And so for sure, if you're good at your craft and continue to work hard to do it, people are going to find you because you're going to stand
0: out. So what is it that you look for, I guess, in a coach, but then also in an application?
1: Yeah, so I think we can start with the application as I'm reviewing applications right now is obviously just a a good, clean resume uh, showing that you have the applicable uh, qualifications and experience that the job's looking for, because you'll get some people that apply that don't have all the qualifications that are required. Uh, So making sure that you fulfill those and and what the job's asking for. Um, And then it doesn't have to be a long, but kind of a well thought out uh, cover letter that lets Let's me, me know, or the, or the job that you're applying for, or that you've done some research and you understand the position or the school, um, that you're, that you're applying for and that, uh, there's a connection there and why you would be a good fit. Um, I think is also a good thing for that pe- people are looking to read, right? Not only we don't want to just know about you, cause you can tell us all about your playing experience and your coaching background and all that, but why would you be good for that specific job? And then make sure that you're highlighting that part of it. Uh, and then what do I look for? I'm looking for somebody that can compliment me, right? So what are my, so it's good for you to know what your strengths and weaknesses are as a coach, where you maybe, and if you don't want to think of them as weaknesses, I'm asking people, what do you want to learn, right? So, hey, I'm really good in these areas of my of coaching, but I want to get better in these areas. And so um, making sure we can compliment each other. And then you obviously want player, people that are really good people, people persons, right? We're in a people business. We're trying to maximize potential in our players. And to do that, we have to be able to create a rapport with them and they have to be able to trust us. And so you're looking for someone who's just a really good people person, high
0: character. I was going to say that, is there kind of a balance between tactical, technical skill and then also behaviors and and like you say, how you are as a person?
1: Correct. Same as in the recruiting of a student athlete, same thing. You're looking for a little of both, right? They need to be good in both areas to be a part of a team right
0: so if we touch a bit on interviews and i guess you could you know you could think about the interviews you've had or also the interviews that you conduct what what does that look like you know what what can someone going into an interview expect well
1: expect to get asked questions and you'll get maybe a curveball question in there uh but also I'll always be ready to kind of um, tell your story i always like to hear people's stories right Uh, how'd you end up at maybe the college that you were at? What was your playing background? Um, maybe who was a favorite coach of yours that, that impacted your life. Right. Um, so you'll ask some questions about that. I'll ask the strengths. Uh, what do you, what do you envision as a perfect role for you in a program? I think be able to answer something like that. Um, and again, definitely highlight what you're going to bring from your individual skill set. If it's, you're really good at analytics or you're really good at, uh, the people side of it, right? You're really good at running team culture or leadership building sessions. Um, uh, really make sure that you kind of know what you're, what you're good at so that comes across. And then also being able to share your personality, right? Um, because that, that's a big part of it too because we're in a recruiting game. So you've got to be able to speak to players and parents and making sure that you can speak well enough and kind of sell the program uh, for, for the head coach, right?
0: And do you, I guess if, if someone's coming in, you ask them to conduct a trial training session, like what, what are you looking for? What are you assessing them on?
1: Right. So if you are, if you're going to do that, I haven't, I haven't done that or I haven't been required to do that, but I have been required to um, break down a game or break down, break down a game and, and, show a scout for a team. I've been asked to do a leadership sh- leadership session. Sorry. I can't get that out. Um, uh, but if, if, I'm, if I'm watching an, uh, somebody conduct a session, what I'm looking for is, again, um, energy and passion for what they're doing, ability to get the message across to the players, seeing if the players are uh, understanding what they're saying and, and buying into the message. Uh, and just kind of, like you said, the overall character of that person and how they relate. Um, and then you're also looking a little bit at the the tactical. How is it set up? Is it, uh, is it running efficiently? Is there a point to the, to each of the drills Uh, at the end of the session, do the players know what it was about and what they were trying to learn that day? And so uh, you're looking for a little little bit of everything in terms of that, but organization is big and
0: yeah. And you referenced in an earlier question, a bit about um, assistant coaches. What, what does it look like, I guess, to progress from the assistant coach role to the head coach role and what are the differences between the skill sets there?
1: Good question. I think obviously in your assistant role, you are trying to do everything you can to help your head coach, right? Um, so the vision is set by your head coach, and then you're doing all, all of those little details in order to support that vision. Um, and then given, and then making sure that you're given duties and roles, clear roles to the assistants. And so then making sure I'm doing what's what's asked of me of a head coach. Uh, and then as you're preparing yourself to try to convert from an assistant to a head, um, I think one thing the assistants don't know is quite all the different duties the head coach is doing uh, from an administrative side that usually you, the assistants are getting to more, be more hands-on with the soccer side of things where a head coach has just a lot more responsibilities uh, from a compliance perspective, making sure all the program rules are being followed, the budget perspective, making sure you know what your budget is, that you're spending it correctly. Um, the play, all of the player person, Personnel ultimately drops on you. So, if there's an issue going on with a player off the field, whether it's academic, medical, um, social, whatever it might be, that you're dealing with that maybe on a daily basis. So, uh, you've got to make sure that you're having communication, not only with your assistants, but the support staff. So, the trainer, uh, the social media, your SID, uh, all the different touch points. A head coach is managing all of those different relationships as well. And so, I think. Uh, as you're thinking about going from that assistant coaching role to head coaching role, you have to be excited about the administrative duties you're going to have to take on. Whereas one thing I loved having been a head coach and having to deal with all that and then dropping back down to be an assistant is you just love the amount of time you get to spend with the student athletes because you're not having to deal with all the things the head coach is dealing with, right? Uh, So um, I really enjoy that role as from the assistant side of it, where I can do a lot more of the soccer side and take that part off the head coach's plate. But there's certain things that I, as a head coach, you just have to do because you're responsible for the program.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, do you feel, I guess in any, any field of life, the higher up you go, there's certain sacrifices. Maybe, yes. that you Yeah,
1: for sure. And that's where you'll see a lot of, that's why I think it's probably bigger in the American football game where assistant coaches have a lot of trouble becoming head coaches and, American football because it's a lot less coaching and a lot more management. And it's a different skill set to be a coach versus a manager.
0: So for head coaches out there, how do you think they can be helping their assistant coaches develop and working effectively with them?
1: Yeah, I think it's communication and making sure you've established a good role for them and that they're reevaluating that role either on a seasonal basis or a yearly basis to make sure that you're helping them get to where they want to go next in their coaching, right? If they're, if they're wanting to be a head coach or maybe they're trying to get an assistant coach, but at a higher level that I'm making sure that I'm helping them um, build their skill set, right? So it's giving them responsibility for some on-field coaching, giving them some side jobs uh, or making, helping them see kind of what my day-to-day world is like if they want to be a head coach, right? Hey, come sit in my office for the day and see all the other things I'm doing that you're as an assistant coach, maybe not having to do on a daily basis. Um, But yeah, I think it's the big thing is communication and also giving them some roles and responsibilities that they take on and some ownership of those roles and then having conversations with them, see how it's going and where can I help them and uh, what's good and bad and I think even as I think that's one of the things as a head coach, sometimes as you get to the head coach, you forget to keep evaluating yourself because you're now at the top. So I think it's always good to maybe sit back and go, hey, what's going well? What's not going well? How can we tweak it? And good assistance will help you see not only their strengths and weaknesses, but your own. And so together you'll kind of grow.
0: Oh, yeah, I was thinking that. Are you looking for someone as well that's going to challenge you when you're hiring?
1: Yes, for sure. So you don't want, you don't want assistants to come in and just agree with you because you're not doing everything right. Nobody is right. Uh, and everybody sees the game a little bit differently. So you're trying to find somebody who can, who sees the game a little bit differently. So if there's a, something happening in the game and you, and you come up with an idea and assistant comes up with a different idea, that's what you want because together, then you're going to come up with one that's going to work. Right. Uh, so you're definitely looking for people that come with a different background and experience than you have, because they're going to bring a different perspective.
0: And you mentioned kind of the admin side of it. And um, so I always think about grassroots coaches, like you go into grassroots coaching thinking you're going to have a great time with kids on the field. No one tells you you're also coaching 25 parents. Like what for coaches that are maybe looking to get into college coaching and, you know, aren't there yet. What are some of the untold truths that they should know, you know, some of the difficulties they're going to have to face?
1: Yeah, I think one is the rules. There's a lot more rules when you get up to the college level that you're, that you're having to follow and stricter. And there's oversight more so than at the club level where you're kind of just setting your own rules. And, and um, I think without the parents involved, it's kind of nice. But there's just a, there is just a lot of administrative side from the college game. So uh, a lot of it rule-based, right? Because you're only allowed so many hours of training. You're only allowed so many hours of certain things. You've got to track all of that. If you're recruiting, there's only so many times you can watch a certain player in a year. So you've got to be tracking how many times have you seen a player because maybe you're getting to where you can't watch them anymore. Uh and you've got all the logistics that you have to handle yourself. So you don't have a parent driving the kid to the game. You're responsible for getting all those players to the game. If it's a flight, travel, hotel, food, all that kind of stuff that you're you're having to do with getting getting a boss. Uh, uh, and I'm trying to think what some of the other budget, budgets a big one, right? You're helping to make sure that you're working within what the administration has given to you, making sure the administration is, is aware of everything you're doing, that you guys are, have a good relationship going with, uh, with your boss. And then you want to get some uh, relationships across campus as well, right? Cause your players are in class. So you want to get to know some of the professors. You want relationships with the admissions, uh, financial aid, Dean of students, uh, dean of faculty, because those are all people that have touch points with your athletes, so you want to make sure you you know you know who they are and so those are some of the things that you're doing on a daily basis trying to uh, making sure you're keeping all everything going right
0: and I suppose as well if we're talking about going into new jobs but we're, we're also talking about leaving leaving jobs and and leaving roles yep. do you have, do you have any tips on i was going to say you know on doing that in a gracious way on making sure that you take what you need to from that on just progressing.
1: Yeah. And I think, again, if I'm an assistant um, and I'm ready, I, Hey, I feel like I've learned everything I can here and I'm ready to move on to another assistant role. I think it's just having a good open dialogue and conversation with who, with your boss, right. And your head coach, Uh, because again, that head coach should be doing what's best for you. And maybe, maybe you have tapped out in terms of what you can learn from them and it's ready to move on. And uh, a really good head coach is going to help you and have a good conversation about that and help you, Uh, move on to that next step. If it's you're an assistant coach and you think you're ready to take that next step, same thing as a head coach, my job is to get my assistants to the point where they feel like they're ready to take on a program themselves. And I'm going to help them try to get to that next place for them. Um, But I think the biggest thing is, is that's also because you're going to use that, that person as probably a reference point reference on your, on your thing, or for sure, whoever's going to hire you, that's probably the first phone call they're going to make. So you want to make sure that you've had a good relationship working relationship and that you've showed the maturity to go in and have those, that t- t- tough conversation that, Hey, I, I think I'm, I'm ready to move on and this is why, and can you help me get to that next step? And again, if you help, if you go in with the perspective of having that coach help you move on, I think they will be all about it because again, it, it helps that head coach, right? Cause they've helped develop you to be ready to move on.
0: And you mentioned networking kind of earlier on how important is it, particularly for women in the game, to kind of look at coaches like yourself that have really forged a path and for coaches like yourself to help those coming up, is that a really important element for us?
1: I think so. Again, you know, I, I have to look back, well, why am I in the positions I'm in? And it's often because I knew somebody who knew somebody, right? Um, or I knew somebody specifically that was looking. And so you want to be sure you, you get to uh, network. And I think, yes, trying to help more women getting coaching and more women staying coaching. I'm all about that. Um, and, and even like now going through a a search right now and, you know, you get 25 applicants and you get four women, right. And, and you get several men that have never coached a women's team applying for your women's coaching job. I always say that like, if a women's coaching position opens women and men apply, if a men's coaching position opens only men apply. So there's not as many opportunities for women to coach in, in the beginning. So we need to kind of change that mindset. If we think men can coach women, then there's no reason women can't coach men. Um, but we'd love to keep good women coaching in the women's game. So, uh, yeah, so I, I would love to be able to give back. I'm part of we Coach, which is a great organization for uh, female coaches to be a part of, to start networking with other female coaches, not only in soccer, but in other sports as well. Um, so that's a great organization to, to be a part of in terms of helping to build your network.
0: Do you think it's just about women backing themselves as well and and taking the leap sometimes?
1: Yes, for sure. And uh, we've talked about that anytime we're in a women's coaching group, having that conversation, when you see applicants come in, men will apply for anything. Women tend to apply only if they think they're overqualified, right? So that's one of the reasons why there's less women's applicants in the pool, right? Uh, they think oh, I, need, I, I might need three more years experience before I apply for a job like that, right? Where a guy's like, ah, let me just see what happens, <laughs> right? So having the confidence, just like uh, put yourself out there, I think is a big one. Reach out to the coach. Even if you don't get it, you can reach out and say, hey, what's, uh, what can I be doing to get a look at a job like this, right? And I think just having the confidence, if you really want that opportunity, figuring out a way to be able to be selected for it.
0: I think we couldn't have you on this podcast without talking a bit about your playing career. Um, and I just wondered if you could reflect on that for us. Like what was, you know, when you look back on your playing career, what, what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, uh, I was fortunate to get to play with some amazing players growing up and I kind of spanned two generations. So I got to play with some of the, uh, you know, key contributors to the women's game in the United States from the very beginning, like a Michelle Akers, uh, all the way to some of the current ones like Abby. Abby Wambach, who's now obviously retiring, but, um, so it's been fun to look back and kind of see that journey and then see where the team is now. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been able to play at all levels of, of soccer in in the United States. So I've played youth soccer. I played ODP. I played regional team. I made it to youth national team, made it to the full national team, played college soccer at the university of North Carolina. Uh, And then there was a six year gap between my college career and the first pro league in the U S but I um, it's one of those things where I had a supportive head coach that allowed me to go try out for the pro league. So I was able to coach and play in the first women's pro league. And then another six year gap (laughs) between the two pro leagues where I played some semi-pro. So I was coaching and and playing all, you know, so I really loved the game and then played in the second pro league for a year. Uh, So yeah, I've had amazing ability Uh, to play with some um, players from all over the world, as well as obviously with the United States women's national team, which is just some great memories, some really good friendships, and uh, has helped me be a better coach, right? Having had all those experiences.
0: I was going to ask, do you look back on your coaches with a completely different perspective now?
1: Oh, yes, you definitely do. You definitely see all, oh man, I gave you a hard time. (laughs) I should have been nicer to you. And you're also grateful, right? Because we had, Um, I was still the generation where you grew up with dads coaching on the sidelines for, we probably had our first non dad coach when I was like a freshman in high school. Uh, So, but then you look back at those coaches, we had some, uh, again, not a ton of women. I didn't have my first female coach until uh, in soccer. I did have a female coach in volleyball, but I didn't have a female coach in soccer until uh, later in life. So that's where I I love seeing club coaches where there's females on the sidelines. So um, they're getting more, more opportunities to have a a female leader, right? Because a lot of my players, even in college, you'll ask them how many of you have had a female coach? Very few. I'm a lot of times their very first female coach. Um, So again, that's another reason why we want to kind of change that. But uh, yeah, I definitely look back and go, man, one, thank you. That's the first one because they just all the time they spend. And back then they were getting paid nothing, right? Our coach was excited if we pay for his gas. Um, so just grateful for all their time and commitment to help me be the player that I am, which also then has made me the coach that I am.
0: Yeah. That leads me on well to my, to my final question. Then when you're coaching, are you aware that you're not just coaching players? You're potentially coaching the next generation of coaches.
1: Yes. Well, and I think, uh, and I'll give all credit to Anson Dorrance for this, my college coach, because he used to bring us in at practice and, be, and his first thing would be future coaches of America. And then he'd say the question, right? Um, so he would put that little nugget in your ear without you even realizing it. Tell like you said, when you look back and you go, ah, I get it now. Um, but yes, I, I tell the players, even the players that I'm recruiting who are 16 years old, I go, my job is to help you love the game so much that when I see you when you're 40, you're somehow still involved. Whether it be a coach, whether it be a player in an adult team, uh, coaching your own your own kid, whatever it might be, but yeah, you definitely understand that you're trying to help the next generation of coaches, especially when you're coaching females because you want we need more of them in the game.
0: That was Kerry Sanchez, head coach of Colorado College. Thanks to Kerry for her time and her advice. Don't forget the March issue of Women's Soccer Coaching is available now to subscribers. Visit womensoccercoaching.com to subscribe. I'm Steph Fairburn. Thanks again for listening to the Women's Soccer Coaching Podcast.